0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, please be seated. Last Sunday afternoon, a number of us from Holy Trinity joined others from the Diocese of New York to participate in the LGBT Pride March. As we made our way down Fifth Avenue with our parish banner that says, in really large ways, Room for Everyone, uh, we were met with cheers and waves. At three places along the route, we were also met with refreshments. At First Presbyterian and Ascension Episcopal and Marble Collegiate Church, there were volunteers running out into the streets with cups of cold water, a little like we were running a marathon, and there they were coming to our aid. And we were blessed this year because it wasn't too, too hot, and uh, our late start in the, in the march meant that we didn't step off until about 6.30, so it was almost evening before we finished. But nevertheless, the water was welcome, I can tell you. It was a small thing. But it was a huge thing. I don't know exactly what the history behind the water ministry is at Church of the Ascension or Marble Collegiate, um, but I remember a little bit of what went on with regard to First Presbyterian's water table back in the 80s. If you remember ancient history in the 1980s, um, you remember that many people met the quickly overwhelming AIDS crisis with a mixture of ignorance and fear. Add to that a whole lot of people in church, well-meaning though they may be, were still struggling with years, if not generations, of bad theology and narrow biblical interpretation. And so there were some, a significant some, at First Presbyterian who didn't think this was a good idea at all, to have volunteers offering cold water to the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender crowd. They felt like to offer water was somehow to lend support and to get behind all of the issues that might be represented in such a march. There were arguments, there were sessions where people prayed, Um, If I recall, a couple of members left the church, as always happens when there's an issue that strikes to the core of what we believe and who we are. But those who were in favor of offering water to strangers simply opened their Bibles and pointed to Matthew chapter 10. They said, this is what God's love looks like. We offer water and it sends a multitude of signals. Again, it can seem like a tiny, insignificant thing, a really small thing. But in some ways, today's scriptures, if not the bulk of the Christian faith, is about small things. Our faith is about things that seem insignificant, things that might even seem meaningless things that happen around the periphery of our consciousness, the periphery of the major events of the world. This offering water, showing hospitality, it's a part of what Jesus is talking about when he suggests that being faithful like him, um, being in his spirit, living in his presence, means looking out for the little ones. This term that Jesus uses is translated as the little ones, again and again. And, and of course, by using that term, Jesus doesn't mean to look down on anyone. Uh, little should not be heard in a pejorative or critical way. It's not meant to be a put-down, but, but instead the little ones refers to any and all who, who may be on the outside, It it refers to those trying to get up on their feet. It it refers to those who are are aiming to stand up for themselves and to elbow in if need be so that they can have a little space to, to join others at this banquet of God's love. In our first reading, it's clear that Jeremiah the prophet is on the side of the little ones of his day, It's an interesting reading. It's really a little snippet from a larger drama. You heard the the word Jeremiah. You heard another man's name, Hananiah. They were in some ways dueling prophets. (laughs) They had very different outlooks on the world. And they understood God as speaking to them in very different ways. Hananiah is, is all about optimism and, and hope and happiness. Hananiah preaches about peace and prosperity. He basically preaches a a message of reassurance. He tells the people, God is with you. Don't doubt that. God loves you. God is in your strength and your abilities. Say your prayers when you can, but God is all about blessing. And God will continue to bless you from glory to glory to glory. Jeremiah comes in and says, that'll be great if it happens. Jeremiah follows a longer tradition of saying the God of Israel, the God of creation, the God of all of us is a God, yes, who promises to be with us as we show justice, as we show love, as we show mercy and kindness to the poor, to the forgotten, to the outcast, as we offer a cup of cold water to the little ones in our midst. Jeremiah thunders forth, reminding God's people of their their covenant, of what they've agreed to do, of who they've agreed to be, of their calling, and all that they are intended to grow into. Yes, God loves. Yes, God blesses. But God encourages and strengthens and wants to show that blessing for all God's children. Jeremiah describes how things have gotten in his day he says, they've become great and rich. They've grown fat and sleek. They know no bounds in deeds of wickedness. They judge not with justice the cause of the fatherless. They do not defend the rights of the needy. Hananiah, on the other hand, says, no, everything is good. All is well and shall be well. You don't need to do anything. God is coming to you with blessing and peace. Hananiah offers big words and big promises and big ideas. But notice Jeremiah's words are small. They're almost insignificant. They don't make a big show. Small things are sometimes the most important. We know that. We have felt that in our own lives, surely. It's sometimes the smallest thing that in the end actually matters the most. Think of the old stories of our faith. Think of how Moses sees just a little flicker of a flame in a bush. And so he goes to investigate. And in so doing, he finds God and finds himself in a whole new way. Think of the children of Israel who, before the Passover, are told to make a small mark over the doorpost of each house. And this small mark of blood that represents sacrifice and self offering becomes the very mark that saves them and their children. Think of David, who one day would become king, but he was the smallest of all his clan. And yet he becomes the greatest king in the land. And that pattern repeats itself again and again and again. Small things are important. Small things endure. The gospel today talks about this importance of small things. Jesus says clearly, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Jesus has been asked what it means to be a disciple. What does it look like? And so he tells people and then he gives these very concrete examples. The little ones should not be ignored or mistreated. These little ones, as Jesus calls them, should be shown hospitality. They should be lifted up with equal charity. They should be given hope. Hope should be put in the little ones. Later in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus uses that term, little ones, in a literal sense. You know the story when the disciples are annoyed by some noisy children near them. And Jesus says, no, 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 bring them closer. Let them come to me. And Jesus takes one of the the children and puts him on his lap or her on his lap. And Jesus says, become like these kids. The kingdom of God belongs to them. Watch them, learn from them, become like them. And then he cautions them, and he says, Woe be to anyone who causes these little ones who believe in me to stumble. And so the little ones quickly become, yes, the children, the literal little ones, but also those who are, who are new in the faith, those who are, who, are, who are beginning, those who are looking for God in a childlike way at any age. <clears throat> Certainly the children are among the little ones. Children in the ancient Near East were often viewed as less than human. They weren't useful for very much until they grew older and then they could work and produce. Books have been written about when the public consciousness came to understand children as actually being human beings and having rights and privileges. Jesus extends this by pointing to the child. He's making an even larger argument that everyone has worth in the sight and the love of God. Every person, every form of life, even the small. The disciples and the young believers are among the little ones. Jesus shows tremendous patience with his disciples as they sometimes seem feeble of mind and feeble of faith. But Jesus gives them his faith and they grow and they become. In addition to the children, in addition to the disciples who are spiritually young, I think Jesus follows the other prophets in expanding this notion of the little ones beyond those who have just a childlike faith. Jesus encourages all of us to offer a cup of water, whatever that may look like, whether literally or spiritually. And so the gospel raises an obvious question for us. Who are the little ones in our midst, and how are we invited to befriend them, to show hospitality, to offer cups of water? Well, certainly among us there are the literal little ones. There are the children. Uh, We don't do as much for children these days, but we can be and should be. If you come by Holy Trinity during the the school year, during a weekday, you'll hear the sound of children because the Mary Katz Castle School is full. And though the school began from the church and we take great pride in them and love them, we shouldn't hitchhike on their coattails and call that our ministry to children and families. We can do more. More children and families live in our neighborhood and move in every week. Perhaps we need to be a different kind of church for them. Sunday mornings don't work very well for most families. It's the only time they get to catch their breath and maybe even see each other. And so perhaps we do occasional parties, occasional events, crafts or music fairs, something a little different to be of service, to offer hospitality, to open the door and the windows if need be and offer the spiritual equivalent of a cup of cold water. If you look around in church, especially at this service, pretty much every Sunday we have young adults who visit us. Sometimes they visit once, sometimes they visit once every six or eight weeks. My favorite is when someone will visit and they're sort of taking it all in and in a couple of weeks later they bring their parents back. I've learned to be an old pro, and I act like we're old friends, and they're here every week. And you can watch the parents just beam that their young 20-something has found a church. They have found a church, and I know that they know we're here should they need us. But I wonder what we can be for them. What can we do for young adults who are new in this neighborhood, new in this city? How can we be the body of Christ for them and with them? How can we do so knowing full well they may only be here for a couple of years? Maybe we're a sort of church that give people a great taste of what it means to be a Christian in the Anglican tradition, and then we send them off with blessing as they move to New Jersey or Connecticut or wherever people go. We have little ones of every age. Again, remembering little ones doesn't refer to size or age. We have a lot of older folks, some who are new to this neighborhood, others who've lived here for years. What does it look like for us to be fully present to them? To those who worry, are they going to be able to continue living in this neighborhood? Is their pharmacy, is their cleaners, is their grocery store going to continue to be open? What does it look like for us to offer welcome and hospitality and home to those who may be very old? but in some ways, are little ones. Finally, we can add to our list of little ones those who may be young in faith, new to Christianity, or new to the Episcopal Church. We offer occasional classes here and there, but how can we really think about what we do and how we do it, so as always and everywhere, to welcome not to dumb down, not to become a generic sort of church of anything, anywhere, anytime, but to be able to translate what we do in the great and beautiful tradition in which we stand and offer it just as eagerly as a volunteer with a cup of water for someone who is thirsty and hot and tired. Jesus says that our welcome of the little ones is related to our welcome of him. If we receive Christ, if we invite Christ into our lives, then that welcome will naturally extend to those whom Jesus calls his own little ones, whoever they may be, wherever we may encounter them. Especially in this week, as our nation celebrates Independence Day, there can be a temptation simply to count our blessings— And it's a good thing to count our blessings and make a gratitude list and wave our flag high. We should and will do that, but we also should look around. Who's not able to wave the flag quite so high? Who doesn't have anything to celebrate? Who's being left out or pushed out? In the back of our prayer book, there's a wonderful litany that is a thanksgiving for national life. And it ends with a beautiful prayer with words that I hope can guide each of us, can perhaps guide our parish, and even, I pray, guide our country. The prayer in the back of the prayer book on page 839 concludes, Help us, O Lord, to finish the good work here begun. Strengthen our efforts to blot out ignorance and prejudice and to abolish poverty and crime and hasten the day when all our people with many voices in one united chorus will glorify your holy name. Amen. May the Lord strengthen us to be faithful in following the risen Christ in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.